Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Peer One-on-Ones, part one. Here we go. We often say at um, conferences that the further you go up in an organization, the more you're going to realize that you're actually less and less able to get things done all by yourself, which is opposite yep. of what most yep. managers think, right? They, they think, well, if I become the CEO or I get a promotion, all of a sudden now everybody will do what I say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. right. When you get that first promotion and you first have power, you assume more promotion, more power. And while technically that's true, you have more power, more role power. And that, that allows you to skip levels, go down and, and make something happen all of a sudden. It doesn't mean that everybody underneath you, two, three, five hundred, a thousand people are all in lockstep waiting for you. And you can, you can order them around like a single entity. It just doesn't work that way. You know, by the way, there's another statement I heard. I remember when I was in Hawaii, I heard it when I was working for the general, which is the higher up you are on the flagpole, the more your butt's exposed. And I think the combination of being exposed. And for a mid or maybe a little bit higher level manager, thinking that they have a lot more role power and then realizing that they don't can induce some panic sometimes, right? Yeah, we hear from CEOs all the time that they they feel like they're running an oatmeal. And they just can't make things happen as quickly as they'd like to or quickly as they used to, frankly. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard that and I kind of chuckled and I just thought it was a great analogy for that sense of working real hard and not being able to have as much influence all the way down. And then I heard it a couple more times like, oh God, it just clearly it's a, it's a theme. Um, look, when you're the VP of sales, you can't manufacture that new product that you just know your customers are going to buy like crazy, right? You can't, you've got to rely on the head of manufacturing. And if there are 30 things, right, you and I have talked recently, one of the things we love about manager tools is there's a hundred things we could do in the next few years. We're not going to run out of stuff to do. The question regarding strategic and effective thinking in, in more senior positions, not that we're senior in our little company, but it's not that you have a good idea. There's a quote I read a number of years ago, which is the real test of, of genius is not knowing best from worst, but knowing best from second best. And people have a good idea and they think, well, we should do it because it's a good idea. But there are 30 good ideas and the the chief of manufacturing has got to make decisions about all these other good ideas. And if the VP of sales comes to him or her and says, I got this great idea, probably the chief of manufacturing going, oh my gosh, that's fabulous. I just love that. That's awesome. Then the VP of sales says, well, you're going to do it, right? He says, well, no, I got 30 other awesome, awesome ideas here too. And I've been asked to cut costs and I've been asked to do this. I've been asked to do that. So it'll go on the list. Well, the VP sales can't get that manufactured just by snapping his fingers. And so without a relationship, without some effort, without some, dare I say it, political skills, that's what junior managers would call it. I mean, what's the phrase we've used before? If you look up at the executives in your organization, what you call politics, they call collaboration, right? Yeah. And so relationship power becomes terribly important the higher you go up. And, and if you're a junior manager now, Now's a great time to start learning how to develop relationships. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to go back to the, the other side of that coin is, I'm not suggesting that chiefs of manufacturing are sticks in the mud. If you're the chief of manufacturing and you deliver something perfectly and your plan works perfectly and you've kept costs down to help the salespeople 
deliver a high margin product and the quality is high and you've done exactly what everybody in the organization, the R&D engineers and the salespeople and the market people, you deliver it. And then they have something else that they're working on or the market has moved on. You can't sell it yourself, even if you believe in it. You have to rely on your relationship with other people in the organization to create the revenue that happens when a product gets sold. So making a product isn't good enough. It has to be sold. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, what this means is what you said, which is creating and maintaining relationships is what's so important. And we've talked about this before. We've probably mentioned this idea a hundred times in casts over the last five, six years. And that is, there are a lot of ways to do this, but one of the easiest ways to build relationships with peers uh, in your organization is to have a manager tool peer one-on-one. And we call, obviously we call it the manager tools peer one-on-one model. And it's very simple. It's not hard. Again, for those of you high Ds or those people who want our cast to be five minutes long, you can listen to this outline, this expanded outline, and then turn us off and go back to, well, I don't know. I was about to say a better podcast. I don't know if there's <laughs> one, but, but maybe better music. That's for sure. So look, five recommendations. The first thing you do when you're looking to strengthen your relationships and folks, if you're a person who has gotten by on results, that's great. Early in your career, it is about results. But as you gain role power, counterintuitively, as we started the cast with, relationship power becomes more and more important. If you don't expand your relationship power as your role power increases, you're going to have decreasing effectiveness in the organization. So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to choose among your peers who the most important relationships are. And we'll go through some recommendations about how to do that. Um, not, not terribly hard to do, but obviously we don't want you, if you have 20 peers, if all, if you have 20 managers reporting to your senior manager, um, your boss, you don't need to have peer one-on-ones with all of them. And basically it's pretty simple. Once you decide those who you want to have a better relationship with, because you believe hopefully, that those relationships will increase the chances that you'll be able to be more effective as you have to work across boundaries in the organization. What you do is you go to them and you ask ask them for a weekly update meeting. You don't ask them for a peer one-on-one. That'll probably put them off. You say, hey, look, you know, can I get some time in your calendar, give you an update and ask you a few questions? And what you do is you only ask for 15 minutes. Okay? That's all. And for those of you who know boss one-on-ones, this is similar to that. You only ask for 15 minutes. And actually, it's not boss one-on-ones. I think it's a boss weekly update meeting is what we call it, even though sometimes we slip and and say, if you want to have a one-on-one with your boss, if you've been doing them with your directs and you love them, and everybody always asks us at a conference, how do we get this stuff for our boss? And the answer is you don't. But the closest thing you can do is have a weekly update meeting with your boss and hope that he or she figures out that after you've done your 15-minute update, it might be good for them to give you an update. But you ask for a weekly update meeting. It's 15 minutes long. And point number three, during your 15 minutes, what you do is update them on operational issues that you're involved in that affect them. Don't brief them on everything you do. Brief them on the things that are that, that will be related to their work. So if you have five peers and you decide that you really do need to have five peer one-on-ones, you might have 20 things done in a week. You might talk about six of them with one guy, 10 of them with another guy, two of them with another guy, depending upon what of those things or those 20 things you're doing relate to the particular person you're in your meeting with. You do your updates first and then you ask questions. Our fourth point, and this is a big one, the underlying thought we want you to have when you're having this meeting is be brisk and efficient. 
finishing on time in this meeting, not turning it into a buddy relationship building meeting, which we want you to build the relationship. But if you turn it into a schmooze fest, if you turn it into a let's kick up our feet and just have our our weekly chit chat meeting, when the stuff hits the fan at work and everybody's swamped, that's the first meeting that will go. Believe me, the relationship will build. You don't need to have an hour-long chit-chat session. Of course, the high C's and and high D's that are listening are like, yeah, I know that. But folks, you're only half of the world. And so we recommend be very, very brisk and efficient. Don't take longer than your 15 minutes. Don't do it. And then the last point, I'm not going to spend a lot of it here, but there are some great benefits regarding peer one-on-ones that everybody misses. And if you're a strategic thinking manager, and by the way, if you're a senior manager director and you're not starting to become a strategic thinking manager, you're falling behind those of your peers who are highly effective as managers because they're starting to think strategically. You're going to get three specific benefits out of this. One is fairly straightforward, which is project updates and project coordination. Your projects are going to go better when you're meeting with people who own resources that you might need at various times. But the other two things it's going to help with is pre-wiring your peers, which you're going to have to do, and preparation for steel cage deathmatch meetings when you have to get one of your people get promoted or, heaven forbid, there are layoffs and you have to sit down with your boss and your peers and decide who's going to stay and who's going to go. Okay, so let's let's get on to our point one. Choose your most important relationship among your peers. Now, I assume, uh, maybe I shouldn't assume, but let me ask it in the form of a question. Do I have to meet with all my peers to be effective here? Yeah, in fact, when I first recommended this, this has been 18, 19 years ago, when I told an engineering manager that uh, he needed to build relationships, I told him, look, two peer one-on-ones. That's what you need to do. And I went away for a while. It was it was an offhand comment at the end of a day I had spent with he and some other folks in the particular facility I was working in out in California. And he really was angry with me in a few weeks because I didn't close the loop and say, gosh, not everybody. Of course, not everybody. You don't need, probably, you probably don't need to have one-on-ones with everyone who reports to your manager, Okay. When you're a manager, right, which is which is where the one-on-one name comes from, right, our, our uh, manager tools one-on-one model, you have an obligation to each of your directs and you're responsible for their productivity. Having a strong relationship with them is the most effective way that we found to improve their productivity, all of the things being equal, right? We never recommend that a manager pick and choose who among her directs she has one-on-ones with. The answer is always, all the above. But peers are somehow different. Yeah, peers are different. It's, it's not always necessary to meet with everybody. You don't need to communicate and develop relationships necessarily with everybody. We recommend you just, folks, you can just take two or three or five minutes. And for some of you, you're going to be, the scope of your peers or the spanning of your peers is not so big. You can do it as you're listening to this cast and thinking through it. Just ask yourself a few questions and consider a few guidelines we'll share with you to determine whom among your peers you should meet with. Good. Okay. So before we go through that criteria, though, help me understand the, the definition of a peer. So if I'm working- Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, yeah, so yeah. my boss has five directs. I'm one of the five, right? So I have four peers. Right. But in the organizational hierarchy, my boss has peers, right? And there are his peers directs that are also peers of mine. Yeah. And so, so literally, in my mind, at least, even in a small company, I might have 50 or 60 peers, yeah. Um, is, exactly. is that what you mean? Or you just mean, or do you just nah, mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean both. I mean, it, it's, it's a little bit, 
um, this is where subtleties get in, right? And of course, modern organizations are much more fluid in terms of the rigidness of, of ranking structures. Although I think it's funny. I, I do think it's funny. I, um, people are saying, yeah, I've got this peer who's, who's got a problem with me and I want to work on him. So, okay, let's talk about that a little bit. Explain to me how he's a peer. Well, his boss and my boss are peers, but he's really in another part of the organization that I rely on for some stuff. And I said, well, okay, you need to start talking to him. You need to build a relationship with him. It always frustrates people because, oh, I don't want to develop a relationship, Mark, Mike, please just give me the silver bullet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, look, okay. folks, if there were a silver bullet, we hadn't, we wouldn't have been talking about this stuff for six years. But um, you go build a relationship. And, and immediately when they say, when I say you need to build a relationship with him, they say, well, I don't think I can do that because he outranks me. And I say, what do you mean? I thought he was a peer. Well, yeah, he reports to somebody who's equivalent to my boss. But, you know, things are pretty flexible. I'm like, okay, well, either he's a peer or he's not. And then there are other times when people say, yeah, this guy totally outranks me and I've got to get some stuff from him and I just don't think I have any leverage. And I say, well, okay, you know, well, how much does he outrank you? Well, not really. He reports to a guy who's the, who's a peer of my boss. I'm like, it's amazing how fungible the idea of organizational relative power is that I think a lot of people just want to use organizational relative power to convince people that it can't be done. Right. It's um, just when, in fact, relationships cut through all of that all the time. Um, but but here's our guidance on peers. Somebody who reports to your boss with you that your boss would say, both of them are on my team. Obviously, that person's a peer. Regardless of rank, right? I mean, so just make sure if you're in an organization where a director is below a VP, if you're a director reporting to the senior VP and they're VPs in the organization, yeah, they, they outrank you. They have a higher grade level, if you will, but they're still your peers, right? Yeah, they're still your peer. And, and I think that's a confusion thing, right? People argue about the verticality of companies all the time, Mike. And yet you and I both know that they complain about it. And then when you get a situation where there's a right structure, but both a VP and a, a senior manager or, or a VP and a, man, a director report to a senior VP, they're like, oh, this is very confusing. I don't like it. I'm like, well, you can either organize rigidly by, by rank title, or you can organize based on what the organization needs to get things done. And that means sometimes people who are, quote, peers, unquote, will in fact have different ranks based on their experience or their background. Or some guy came over from sales where titles are elevated, and so we're going to let him keep his old title when in fact, look, if you're a VP and you're reporting to another VP, you may in fact have less power there. I mean, it gets really nebulous. But yes, if somebody reports to your boss, even if they have a higher or lower title than you, for the purposes of this cast, you would have what amounts to a peer one-on-one with them. Don't go around telling everybody they're your peer, Okay, because if they find out and if they're a stuffy person and if role power is really important to them, they're going to have a problem with that. Okay, fine. Right. Uh, No problem. On the other hand, if somebody reports to a peer of your boss, you could hypothetically describe them as a peer. I'll give you another example. If you're a director and there's a director somewhere else in the organization, I'm not talking about some random person who you don't have any connection to, but if your work and their work are connected enough that communication about the work would be valuable and their director and your director, but they report to a senior VP and you only report to a senior director. And generally speaking, they're in a part of the company that has more power or people think of them as being super directors or something. You can still think of them as your peer. 
I guess what it boils down to, Mike, is we're using the loosest possible definition of a peer. And really what's important is, would your work benefit, would your team's work benefit from more robust communication with this person who is definitely not not a peer of yours? In other words, not four levels up, not five levels down. In other words, if you, you don't need to meet with somebody five levels up just because you think he or she might be helpful to, to your team getting their work done, that would be probably would be considered presumptuous. And let me go back and say one more thing. We think of your peers, of those people who report to your boss, in most cases, 95% of the cases, not all, I've often been quoted lately as saying, manager tools is right 90% of the time for 90% of the managers in the world. Because look, guys, we get emails every once in a while from somebody who says, look, what you're recommending doesn't work. You know, the one that pops to mind most quickly is one-page resumes don't work in Australia. Okay, fine. I would beg to differ. I have examples that prove the opposite of that, but that's okay. In 20 years, things will start centralizing and pretty soon they will, um, but that's okay. We, we respect that. So there are, there are times when this is not true, but generally speaking, the people who report to your boss who are at your level um, that your boss thinks of as his or her team, those are the super peers, the people you most want to have peer one-on-ones with. It is possible it's not true, but generally speaking, if you have 50 peers in the organization, six of whom report to, to your boss, and you said to me, Mark, I'm meeting with none of those six who report to my boss because my work is with other people, I'd kind of pause and go, you're going to have to explain to me more about the relationship between you and the people who report to your boss. It could happen, but but generally no. But generally and not. so if you're thinking, okay, I've got 30 peers, only six of whom report to your boss, you can safely assume that our guidance on this cast is put extra weight on those people who report to your boss. That was a long answer, wasn't it? I, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that's good. Well, that's confusing. It, it's a, kind of a subtle point in yeah. some organizations. But let's let's just assume the 90% rule here and move yeah. on. So given that we understand who our peers are and we need to develop a relationship with them, or we like to, and we, we're going to assume here that we just don't have time to meet with all of them, right? I got all my right. directs and to add another six or seven one-on-ones a week might be a little much. What are the criteria used to determine who I should meet with? Good. So let's start with some numbers and then we'll start, we'll talk, start with quantity and then we'll move over to the qualitative issues. The first recommendation we have is look, folks, if you only have two peers, meet with both of them. Okay. You don't want to really invest in one relationship and then end up hurting the other one because the other person feels like, well, why is he meeting with her and not with me? Now, there may be a delineation of work that makes that obvious, but I would say in 90 plus percent of the cases, even if the delineation of work is such that that third person who reports to your boss is just totally different, I would still say a half an hour a week is not the end of the world. You might be able to get away with cutting somebody out, but if there are two peers and you're meeting with one, it's going to be perceived that you're cutting the other person out. It's a delicate dance to do. And for a half an hour a week, it's worth avoiding that kind of political difficulty. So if you only have two, meet with both of them. Now, what about the other end of the, the other end of the spectrum? You folks, you probably can't handle more than four or five peer one-on-ones. If your boss has 10 or 15 directs, don't panic thinking, do you have to add eight or nine or 10 one-on-ones, peer one-on-ones to your calendar? By the same token, if your boss has five and three of those people are really important to you, 
great. And you could maybe have one or two outside of your boss's purview, but you, you get to five and it's, it's too much. Now, there are some of you who are listening who are really experts at managing your calendars. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being good at that. And if you want to do more, that's great. There are some of you, particularly you high eyes, you salespeople, you marketing people, you sharp dressers who are like, I don't need to have this kind of structure. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be social butterfly and I'm going to have lots of friends, but I'm not going to sit down and talk to them. Look, we like you being a social butterfly. We want you to know everybody in the organization. And we think there are some people who deserve more detail, more structure, more formalness to the kind of operational communications you're having. Okay. But don't go more than four or five. Third recommendation, if you're going to have four or five, start with just three maybe, okay? And then work your way up to four or five. In the same way, we recommend this because it's the same as starting slowly with manager one-on-ones if you have more than 10 directs. We recommend there that you start every other week if you have more than 10 directs or more than 15 directs. And then we, uh, and then over time, once you realize they work, then go to every week rather than every other week. So start with your most valuable meetings and expand to include other people as your calendar adjusts to those new deliverables and meetings are essentially our deliverables. Okay. That's the quantitative guidance. Let, let's give some more specific qualitative guidance. And this is the most important thing we're going to say regarding whom to have one on, peer one-on-ones with. And that is start with those with whom you work most closely or put differently, whose work and your work are most intertwined and you would most benefit from increased communication. No sense having a meeting with one of your peers if there's not going to be a lot of raw material. Now, there's some of you who are sitting there saying, well, I don't really want to talk to him and I don't think there's a lot of raw material if he just answer my emails, which he never does. <laughs> well, he might answer them if you had a better relationship. But okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you, you stole the words right out of my mouth, right? The reason they're not answering your emails is not because they don't think what you do is important. It's because they don't like you or they don't have a relationship with you. And look, Mike and I are both engineers. We wish that this weren't so. But people are people. People want to be liked. People will do more work for and with other people whom they trust and respect. You don't have to be their best buddy, but people will do more work better for those people whom they trust and respect. And trust and respect comes from building a relationship, which comes from more frequent communications with other people about things that are important to them. Look, I wish that weren't so. I wish everybody were automatons. But the fact is, organizations are social structures and people like working with other people that they like. Simple as that. People will do favors for their friends. And when you need a favor, if you don't have any friends, if the only way you communicate is by email, I mean, uh, let me be, let me be polite about it. You're screwed. So uh, start with the people who, you, who you're most close to relative to work. If your team of directs never interacts with one of your peers directs, that's probably a peer to leave off the short list for your initial peer one-on-ones. All right. Now we talked about earlier, we expanded our definition of peers to include, you know, directs of your boss's peer. Peers, right. Somebody else broader, more broadly in the organization, right? So in a lot of cases, those folks aren't, don't, you don't necessarily interact with a lot of them, but in some cases you do quite a bit. Matter of fact, you might interact with them more than you do your boss's directs. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely possible that your most important peer in your mind in terms of delivering results for the organization doesn't work for your boss. 
So yeah, you know, peer is generally somebody who ranks the same as you reports to your boss. But but if there's a peer who works for somebody else, but is particularly important to your work, by all means, request a peer one-on-one with them. Of course, do it the right way. Don't call it a peer one-on-one, but request a 15-minute update meeting with them and then try to repeat it every single week. And then gradually they'll start adding their value to it and suddenly it'll be a peer one-on-one. Right. It seems like, you know, it clearly relationship with those folks that you interact with on a regular basis would be very useful. But let's Without, I don't want to make it feel like uh, or sound like politics, but what about the case where my boss has a lot of interaction with some of my peers, right? Because of a project they're working on or their friends or uh, for a number of reasons. Is, is that a consideration? Yeah, sure. Look, you've got to give some consideration to those whom your boss spends a lot of time with, he works close with whatever. If he has a good relationship with somebody, you're not just doing peer one-on-ones for the direct relationship with those whom you'll be meeting with, but also to leverage their relationship. And your boss is an important relationship, right? So if you have a peer who is literally cheek by jowl with your boss all the time and runs the most important part of the the broader team that you're on, then by all means, have a peer one-on-one with them. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, you know, you, you mentioned politics. Folks, politics has such a bad rap. I remember very clearly, if you're, folks, if you're younger than 30 and you're listening to this and you're starting your career and you've had some success and you feel like sometimes the right idea doesn't get implemented, Actually, I had a saying a number of years ago, which is the right idea always gets implemented because the idea that gets implemented is the right one by definition. And probably your vision of what is right is is not colored by the things that your boss or boss's boss or somebody even higher than that knows or doesn't know about, about the organization. So look, it, it matters. And politics is a word that people easily hang negatives on. But if you get to be a senior manager, folks, or a director, and you're poo-pooing politics, other people may be playing politics a little bit. And, and playing politics obviously has a negative aura around it. But what you might call politics, other people call creating relationships, building coalitions, if you will. And they're not doing it. I mean, sometimes they do it in order to benefit themselves. But the organization who watches somebody benefit themselves, benefit themselves, benefit themselves without a concurrent benefit for the organization, pretty soon that person will get his comeuppance. Simple as that. So you you may not want to call it playing politics, but Mike and I would say you've got to learn the value of relationships and the fact that all organizations are social organizations and relationships matter in terms of your ability to get things done. And if you're not being cognizant of who works for whom, who likes whom, you're getting hurt. I remember a quote a number of years ago, somebody says, life is not college. Life is not your grades. Life is not the quality of the education you got. Life is not the awards you got. Life is just high school with money. Who likes you? Who do you like? Who are you hanging out with? Who is willing to hang out with you? Those of us who were engineers like Mike and I kind of go, yeah. That doesn't sound that good. But look, the evidence is overwhelming. Human beings are social creatures, and you're going to have to consider it. And it may be distasteful, but it's effective. And you don't get paid to do what you like. You get paid to do what's effective for the organization. That was a lesson that was very hard for me to learn many years ago. But once I learned it, it makes a difference, right? Yeah. Actually, everybody learns it, but some people just choose to ignore it and not act upon it, right? Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. Yeah. It frustrates them. and They say, no, I don't want to be that way. 
Yeah. I was reading in Fortune magazine just recently, some executive was being interviewed and, and uh, he said, look, it's all about people. I said, gee, I, I wonder if anybody ever thought about that before. <laughs> um, look, think of it this way. Consider a scenario, right? One of your peers who works for your boss has a really good relationship with somebody in, in the corporate legal department, right? That department is known for being impossible to deal with. But by the way, folks, this is totally made up. I'm not saying that corporate legal departments are impossible to deal with. They have long lead times. They have multiple layers of bureaucracy. You can't ever talk to the paralegal or the lawyer who's actually working on your stuff. And suddenly, one of your projects that you're working on is apparently bumping up against some intellectual property concerns, or there's some trade law concerns associated with it, and it appears that some legal entanglement is imminent. Now, are you going to want to go to your peer who totally knows how to work that system because, you know, her husband works there or because she was interned there or because um, she just hangs out with them because they share an interest in music or something? Are you going to want to go to your peer for a favor when you don't really have any relationship with this peer? And wouldn't it be easier to get your project moving forward if you'd been investing in the relationship with your peer over the last six to 12 months? It's just like asking your friends, quote, friends, to take a look at your resume if you haven't talked to them in two years. If you haven't talked to them in two years, folks, they're not a friend of yours. And suddenly, they're not looking at your resume. Oh, they'll take your resume. They're just not going to do anything with it. Why? Because you haven't kept the relationship warm enough for them to feel that they owed you a favor. Yeah. What's even worse than this? You know you've got to have some help with the legal department, but you don't have a good relationship with your peer. Do you really want to have to go to your boss and ask her for help and then only to see her ask your peer to make a phone call for you? Man, yeah. that is not looking good. That kind of sucks. Before we move on to the next point, one of the criteria that we didn't really talk about, and I'm surprised, is is the quality of the relationship with my peer criteria. So for example, if I have five peers, I have a great relationship with three of them and a poor relationship with two of them. Should I put more weight on the two I don't have a good relationship no, with? No, absolutely not. No. No, gosh, no. If you put more weight on the relationship with the people you don't have good relationships with, and you create good relationships with two people whose work and your work aren't really connected and in which you'd be creating what amounts to an artificial meeting just to create a relationship, I would say absolutely not. What if there are these five peers I interact with on a regular basis? Uh, let, me, let me put this differently. We'll say it's difficult to do four or five, more than four or five peer one-on-ones. Let's say I have 10 peers with whom I interact fairly frequently. And right. of those 10, five of them are uh, I have great, great relationships with and five I have poor relationships with. Which five would I pick? I'd pick the five that separate from the relationship you have the most need to interact with them professionally. This is a professional business meeting designed to get work done. You're not trying to repair your relationship just to repair the relationship. And let's be clear before I say that, that the underlying context of this meeting is work. It's not friendship. It's not relationship. You're creating the relationship. You're strengthening the relationship because of the value and productivity for the organization. I don't want to have a better relationship with somebody just because I can have a better relationship with them. So no, the, the criteria is work and, and output. Maybe I'm not, I'm probably not, not, maybe I know I'm not asking my question effectively. I can only pick five. I equally depend on all of them. Right. Should I pick the five that 
I have a good relationship with, assuming yeah. that much like, you know, with directs, if I have any marginal time, I'm going to spend that on my best performers, not my worst performers, right? Yeah. Assuming I have some basic level of interaction with them called one-on-ones, right? So I have marginal time to spend with five of my peers. All things being equal, where would I spend that time? Yeah. Uh, first of all, all things are never equal. And the moment I say the answer to this, people are going to be like, well, that makes it easy then. Um, okay. I should just spend time with my friends. But but the answer to your question is do a better job analyzing how well you have the workload and the connection that you have with people. But to use your question in an artificial world, if in fact you have equal relationships with all 10 of them, I would actually say maintain the relationships with the people that, were, that are good. And I would also say, ask yourself, how can I spend more time with those people whom I don't have a good relationship with? I would not if you're asking me, should I focus my five one peer one-on-ones? Again, let's artificially limit it to five. And by the way, those weren't hard and fast rules. If you think you can have eight, okay, fine, do eight. But it's going to be hard on you. And it depends really on how much interconnectivity your work and their work have. But if you're saying, should I go ahead and, or, or do you, Mark, do you recommend having my five peer one-on-ones with the people I have the worst relationships with? My answer is no. Okay. I would rather you do better analysis on who really matters, but I would say if you ended up having peer one-on-ones with your five, uh, the people whom you already have a good relationship with, I would love to understand what you mean by good, but I would say, no, I wouldn't have any problem with you choosing to invest further in the good relationships. Now, there's another piece that you could add to it, which is which ones have the most power. That was kind of what we're getting to with having a a one-on-one, a peer one-on-one with somebody who's very close to your boss. I suspect it wouldn't be just five of the people I have the best relationship with. I'd be willing to bet that it's spread between both groups, five that I have good relationship with and five that I don't. But no, we're not going to strengthen our relationship. We're not going to spend time with our weakest relationships just to get them up to par and then ignore our five best relationships. That's generally a recipe for disaster. When CEOs do that, they're always ignoring their top two or three products to get their bottom two or three products up to some acceptable level. And then, of course, what happens is the top products don't get the focus and they tend to get underinvested in and those relationships begin to slide or the products begin to slide in that scenario. Great. Sounds like there's a, enough criteria beyond what yeah. you get along with them that you probably never get there if you're evaluating it properly. Let me give you a counter uh, argument to, to your scenario, which I liked. And the counter argument is this, folks, close your eyes and pick half of the people who report to your boss. If you have more than five people reporting to your boss and start having peer one-on-ones with them and use no qualitative or quantitative analysis at all, just start improving your relationship with your peers. <laughs> There's a part of that we're trying to get to, which is too many people focus on their boss. As you grow in, in relationship, grow in role power, you've got to have good relationships with your peers. People see their peers as fighting for a limited pie. They can create what amounts to somewhat of a, of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, an antithetical or, you know, a relationship built on on conflict rather than on collaboration with their peers, of the, the people who report to their boss. And that further poisons a relationship that may be in neutral or less than neutral. And the whole point of peer one-on-ones is to recognize you must have horizontal relationships if you want to continue to grow in the organization. It's just that simple. 
Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.